been remarkable. I've had more goosebump moments, you know, seeing families have this opportunity to express themselves. Welcome to Funeral Gurus with your host, Robin Heppel. Interviews with funeral professionals about their successes. Listen and find out how you can apply the same strategies in your funeral home. Welcome to Funeral Gurus Radio. I'm your host, Robin Heppel from FuneralFutures.com. Today, we're continuing our interview series with forward-thinking funeral professionals. And today's guest is B.T. Hathaway, the owner of Hathaway Family Funeral Homes in Fall River, Massachusetts. B.T., are you there? Yes. Hey, B.T., well, you know what? I know that you've been a, um, a guest on the Funeral Gurus before, but uh, for the folks that may not have heard our uh, previous interview a few years ago, can you just provide a little bit of background about yourself and, and your funeral home? Well, I'm a fourth-generation funeral director. Uh, grew up here in sub, you know, southeastern Massachusetts, uh, southern New England, and um, you know, have been in and around funeral homes from infancy. So, um, you know, so understand the the you know where it all came from, and and continue to try to figure out where it's all headed from here. Um, you know, our family operates eight funeral homes altogether uh, across this region. Uh, basically, covers all of a uh, of a county area in, in southeastern Massachusetts. So, um, you know, by at least by northeast standards, we've got a pretty good size, and and uh, you know, serve you know upwards of 700 families a year. So, um, understand the the challenges of of staff and coverage and, and being in all those sorts of places. Um, I've done, you know, some volunteering over the years through uh, national funeral directors and uh, past president of the Mass Funeral Directors Association. So uh, I'm also familiar with uh, the some of the bigger issues from, um, you know, from a legislative and, and uh, an organizational point of view, too. Great. Well, and, you know, one of the things I think that, um, you know, connected the two of us is just your, um, uh, a few years back, you know, is your innovation and the, um, you know, your, your very forward thinking and proactive and, uh, and, you know, just, uh, a little while ago, you, you let me know that, um, you've come up with, um, kind of unique discovery or offering, um, that you call, uh, memory stone. And, uh, just wondering if you could, uh, Explain to uh, me in a little bit more detail and the and the listeners about about this new offering that you've come up with. Well, you know, cremation for as long as I can remember, uh, you know, professionally has you know, has bugged me. Um, the whole idea that somebody could disappear uh, to a little industrial facility someplace and come back as a black black plastic box and a little serial number. Um, yeah, you know, has always bugged me. Um, I've always wondered, gee, how could we make things, um, you know, make things more comfortable for the family? And and I have a little bit of a, you know, a, a technology bent to me. Always have been curious about computers and and electronics and systems and whatnot. And so I've wondered, you know, is gee, is there an electronic way to to make identity more um, you know, more uh, traceable for families, and and I've played around with a, a lot of different ideas over the years. Um, but 
in more recent times, towards the end of 2012, um, I just uh, seeing the, the dramatic rise in information in my area, seeing how many of the families that we've served. It's not 10 or 15 percent anymore. It's, um, you know, if you back out the, uh, the prearrangements, uh, which, of course, the burial decisions that were made 10 or 15 years ago, uh, our region is probably upwards of 60% cremation now, um, whereas 20 years ago it was, um, you know, staunchly traditional burial. And so you begin to realize, gee, we're serving an awful lot of people uh, that are making cremation decisions. And when you, uh, when you ask people away from the arrangement conference office, uh, gee, uh, you know, how do you feel about cremation? Have, have you ever wondered about cremation? Um, you know, and, and the identity of the cremator remains, you know, it's, it's remarkable, surprising to me. Um, most people that you ask will say, you know, yeah, you know, my grandmother was cremated and, you know, and that idea just, you know, just flashed through the back of my mind. I, you know, people get over it, uh, but it is something that they carry with them. And, and so it's, it's all of those sorts of things that, uh, that kept pushing me to, to figure something out. And I, um, you know, I had a little bit of an inspiration, thought that perhaps using ceramics, um, ceramic markers, uh, might be an opportunity, um, you know, to, to make this sort of a difference. And so that's, uh, that's what I started to, you know, set out to do at the end of 2012 was to figure out how to, um, you know, how to make something for families that would allow them to be connected, something that would go through the cremation process and, and give them a, a sense of confidence and a sense of connection through that uh, cremation process. Well, and you had mentioned uh, earlier that um, you know, this is something that you've kind of put together in the basement of, of one of the funeral homes. Is that right? Yeah. No, I, uh, I started out... I, I, can't say that I was a ceramics expert going into this, uh, and so I started uh, by talking with a ceramics artist that was that was in our region, uh, has a big shop um, in a neighboring community, and uh, said, "Gee, do you think we you know think we can figure out how to do this?" and and she was game to try, um, and began to use the techniques that she was familiar with uh, to to develop something and. You know, and in the end, what we ended up with was, was something that looked like uh, a, um, uh, you know, a piece of homemade soap. Um, it was very rough and, and very irregular, um, just not very refined in its look, and, and just something that, that I, I just wasn't happy with as, as, uh, you know, as a finished product. Um, you know, and... Uh, it's just because her approach to clay is is very different. It's about art, as as opposed to um, you know, as opposed to what we've what we've ended up needing. Um, and so at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to buy a kiln. I'm going to uh, start uh, researching uh, what my options are, how I can do this, and and I'm going to use my creative energies to figure out how to make this uh, this work. And so over a period of months. Um, you know, we refined what, what kind of clay was going to work best. We refined uh, a method for coloring the clay so that we could have, um, have some options for folks. I, um, you know, developed 
uh, a technique for um, you know for creating molds that were consistent and you know and a, and a manufacturing process uh, that is uh, you know unique to memory stone this is um, you know, this is really a proprietary process that we've developed so that families can, so that we could produce something that was uh, was consistent and uh, and reliable and and at the same time uh, affordable for uh, for families. Not something that was going to be uh, inor inordinately expensive. Great. Well, no, maybe if uh, you could walk me and and the folks listening just through the actual process. So. Um, you know, it's a it's a stone that um, is offered you know to the family, and you were mentioning that this kind of takes the the place of when someone is able to write a letter and put it in the casket with someone who's being buried, and knowing that that will kind of be with them uh, for eternity, um, and uh, and then and then you were saying that the the stone then. Uh, usually, but not always, uh, stays with the cremator remains. But um, yeah, maybe then explain the um, the interaction that the uh, that the survivors have and and the messages that they can put on it. Yeah, well, the the memory stone is it's a ultimately it's a ceramic marker, a ceramic oval um, that ha that has been fired. It's a it's a finished piece of of ceramic, but without any sort of glazes on it or or whatnot, and and it comes in a, in a little jewelry type box, um, very much like you, what you might receive a Bandora bracelet in, or something like that. Um, matter of fact, it's made at the same factory that in Rhode Island where Bandora bracelet boxes are made. Um, I've had and, to. Um, I've purchased a couple of those BTU in my day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, they, you know. They, they they have a whole production line. They they produce three million of those little little boxes a, a year for <laughs> for Pandora. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty remarkable to see it done on that sort of a scale. Um, but it comes in that sort of a box, um, and it's just it, right now. It's just a plain front, you know. That and and along with it is an envelope of of resource materials. Um, primarily, what's in there is a is a transfer sheet, it's very much like old-fashioned carbon paper, um, but uh, but it's designed specifically for ceramics and for stand, you know withstanding the temperatures that are in, that are involved. Um, and somebody wraps that piece of uh, transfer paper around the the memory stone, and then uses a ballpoint pen, and basically inscribes a message. You know, we we recommend to folks that they actually write it. Into place, and then, and then go back over it, just so that the you know the message is as bold and as clear as it as it possibly can be. Um, and then this ceramic marker with the message on it is placed with the person who has died. Now that can be a part of of a more involved ceremony where there's you know where there might be a casket and and visitation and whatnot. And we've had situations where. Um, you know, eight or ten, or, or at this point, as many as eleven family members have inscribed these uh, these little ceramics, and then we place them, um, you know, place them with the deceased. Sometimes, with a you know, with a more direct cremation, it's it's our staff that will actually place them with the deceased. But uh, but this is prior to the cremation, 
and these ceramics actually travel through the cremation process. So, so they are there from beginning to end, and they come back with the final remains intact. Now they've changed. The color will have changed, and uh, depending on the environment, the kinds of container that, that are involved and whatnot, sometimes they will have changed dramatically. But, uh, but basically, there's always a way to, to look at that ceramic and say, yes, it's my writing. That's the message that I left. Um, so if there is that sense after the cremation is over, um, the person involved, the survivor, uh, has been a part of that process from beginning to end. Um, and at least they have that sense that, uh, that it's not completely undifferentiated generic remains coming back, but it's, uh, but it's remains that have been, been marked by their own, uh, by their own words. Like a, it's almost cases, like a like a personalized identification process versus very you know, what what we you know the industry tries you know, or does you know with um, little metallic tags and things like that but you know with just stamped with a number or that type of thing where this is um, you're you're getting the same result but it's a, a way more personalized experience and that they're um, and more importantly they're they're uh, a part of that. No, absolutely, and you know, it's uh, it's just been remarkable. I've had more goosebump moments, you know, seeing families have this opportunity to express themselves in the face of cremation. Um, you know, it's 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 just the neatest thing, and even and even small children. I mean, it's a simple enough process that even you know uh, children that you know that are capable of writing. Um, can participate in something like this. And as a matter of fact, very often it's the children that that are the most adaptable and uh, produce some of the uh, some of the clearest um, finished pieces. Uh, but in every case, it's a you know it's it's a it's an invitation. You know that's how I see it. It's an invitation by us at the funeral home to say to people, you know, it's it's okay. Not not only the cremation itself, it's okay, but but yes, we're you're beginning a grieving process, and here is a way to to be engaged with what's going on right now. You know, if we if we have a burial, no, no matter how simple, we can be there. Families can be there. Survivors can be present and know that the casket's gone down and the you know the grave liner's been closed or what have you, and have that sense of completion. And, and also, when they leave things with the casket, you know, although eventually everything fades, um, you know, there is that sense that things are as we left them. They are together and pristine, and, 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 you know, and there is comfort there. With cremation, you send something along, you know that it's quite literally obliterated in a, you know, in a matter of, uh, of a couple of days. And so... The thing about memory stones, I think, for for you know, for survivors, is there's that sense that even through that you know that very dramatic transformation of the body, that those thoughts and memories carry on, and that you know, and that we're not having to completely regroup after the cremation is over and say, okay, well, how do we? You know, how do we connect with what's with what's happened? 
we're able to be connected from beginning to end. Okay. Now, BT, one thing that just occurred to me then, um, if that, you know, most of the time the um, the stone stays with the cremated remains, what, um, what do families do if they've chosen to scatter the cremated remains? What do they, um, you know, so if they're scattering at sea, do they place well, the stone we'll, in the we'll water? Collect, very often we will collect them for them, and, and we will, uh, you know, we, they, they do need to be cleaned. They do need to be washed because you've got the, you know, the dust of the, of the cremation on them. Um, but we'll put them back in, the, in their original boxes, and it becomes something that they can take home, that can be a part of, of, a, of a memory box or uh, a memory drawer or, or whatnot, wherever, you know, wherever people um, hold on to those kinds of uh, little objects that, are, that help, help people stay in touch with the, um, you know, with the, the person that's dying. Now, and maybe, BT, if you could explain, too, you were mentioning earlier how, um, how someone who was terminally ill um, made, made use of the memory stone to pass on a message to, uh, to their survivors, because I thought that was really interesting. Well, there was a woman. Um, uh, there is a woman. She's a, she's a hospice chaplain. Uh, all the way down in Dallas, Texas, who who picked up on the internet uh, about memory stones very very early on, and she became very engaged with the idea, uh, and actually uh, purchased a few of them. Uh, has continued to purchase a few of them to give to the families that she's serving, and yeah, you know, and been explaining to them what this is all about. And in one case, um, the conversation. Um, shifted in such a way that the deceased, the person that was dying, the patient, wanted to be able to leave a message for her daughter. And so she actually um, uh, was given the memory stone before her death. And she inscribed a little message on the memory stone. And then it was placed with her at the time of her death. And the message went through the cremation and then actually came back and was retrieved and was given to the daughter uh, so that she had this message, um, not, not from beyond the grave, but from, from beyond the cremation uh, that she could have as a keepsake. And, and that was a, a truly, um, you know, a, a, just an extremely poignant um, moment and experience, and I, it just was um, just really eye-opening to see this come about. That that of you know that somebody had decided to uh, to turn the process around and actually leave a message behind. And um, you know, I suspect that over time, as you know, as people, as more and more people become aware of memory stones, that. Uh, that we'll see these kinds of adaptations and and uh, you know and uh, expressions going back and forth uh, through the cremation process. Well, it's kind of neat to when you see something that you know that you've thought of, and that it actually then someone is able to put a new spin on it um, that has 
you know, has meaning in a, in a certain way that you, you had no, no idea that it would happen. And, uh, and they're just kind of taking that product or that, uh, um, situation and, you know, creating something that you never, never knew that it could go into that, uh, that direction. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Exactly. Yep. Now, um, you know, a couple other questions here that I'm, I'm sure our, uh, funeral director colleagues would, would want to ask. What would, um, what has been the uh, reception by the crematorium operators in in this? Like, is it something that um, uh, that they are okay with, they embrace, or that they they don't like? Um, we've not had any trouble. I mean, we've we've taken uh, we we use a, several different crematories in our area, um, and we've you know it's taken a little bit of uh, explaining. Uh, to to let them know that something is uh, like this is there, and that when they clear out the retort, that they um, you know that they need to be watching um, for these uh, for these memory stones when when they're uh, you know when they're getting ready to do the final processing on the remains. But the reality is they're they're already taking care of. You know, metals and prosthetics of various kinds, and so this is just part of that normal routine. Um, so it, you know, it doesn't add any more time or any more complexity to the process for them. Uh, we've specifically made them to be as inert as possible, and so there's no, uh, there's no glazes, no glassing agents, or anything like that there that you know that might cause them to. Uh, during the height of the cremation to, uh, to as the term would be, glass up, you know, the, the, where the surface changes and where you might have the, uh, the unfortunate uh, outcome of the, the memory stone actually sticking. That, that is not possible. That, that cannot happen. Um, and so, um, you know, so they, they go through the process. The, you know, and the, the heat of the cremation makes those words that are already fairly indelible they don't it the words don't just rub off easily when you've inscribed them but after they've gone through the cremation they become very permanent and you know, really um, you know set right into the ceramic surface so they they um, they will be truly permanent at that point okay that's well, uh, great to just really explain that that process there and um, and and to I think to kind of rest assured that uh, you know it's there's not going to be any uh, damage to the to the retort or or the bricks inside or no, that type of thing. Yeah, they're very they're very small, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know the uh, the worst that that can happen uh, occasionally they will crack. Um, you know, there's a lot of temperature stresses at at work here and. Um, and we can't resolve that, you know, one hundred percent of the time. But, but overall, it's fairly rare. Uh, but they will crack. A little bit of super glue um, is enough to to put them back together. And and you know, and we're clear when we talk with the families that you know that these are you know that that these are about an emotional connection. This is not about creating a you know, a pristine keepsake like 
you know, like other keepsakes are that are, you know, that are for after cremation. This is something that's uniquely for the cremation process. And, and yes, they will come back. Yes, they will be available to you if you want to keep them. Um, you know, but they will, they will have changed. That, that environment will, you know, is, is going to have an impact on the color and, and, um, you know, and there may even be, um, you know, some uh, debris from the cremation that, that's, you know, that sticks and, and is part of the, uh, you know, that, that becomes embedded in the, the ceramic itself. Um, occasionally, people are actually very comforted by that, that because, wow, this thing is, is completely a part of that cremation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but in most cases, what we find is that people, uh, at least here in our area, uh, very often cremated remains are being buried as opposed to scattered, and so folks will leave the, these memory stones with the cremated remains. It becomes um, you know, a, a permanent linking object, something that's there, that's, that's part of their, their remembrance and memory, and something that they know is going to be with those cremated remains in perpetuity. Great. Now, um, you know, another thing would be, um, and I'm sure that uh, the listeners would want to know, is how much, um, like, what do, what would these retail for? What would a, pa a family um, uh, pay to purchase one of, one of the memory stones? Well, we've, uh, we've experimented with, uh, with a range of, of prices, and, you know, I've, I've had them here at the funeral home for as much as $89, and, and people have been very happy to um, uh, to purchase them at that price. We've we've tried them as low as twenty nine dollars to see how you know how that changes things. Um, and 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 at that price, um, you know, we've seen situations where pe where families are choosing to have as many as ten or eleven of them for one for one cremation. You know, it becomes something that the whole family participates in. And so from a, a funeral director point of view, it becomes a question of where, you know, where, uh, you know, what the financial needs are <laughs> of the families and what the goal is, um, you know, in terms of, of participation and, and whatnot. It's, um, you know, those, those final retail decisions will have to be made at, you know, one funeral home at a time, just like they choose how they're going to how they're going to organize the pricing of caskets. Sure. Now, um, a couple last things before I let you go. One thing which seems to be quite exciting. Tell me about the um, the NFDA uh, Innovation Award that um, that you're in the running for. Well, you know, this uh, this is something I, that NFDA has been doing for the last five or six years. Uh, it you know it provides a, a showcase for vendors that are participating in the uh, uh, you know in the NFDA convention uh, to present uh, new and unique uh, product offerings, things that have been introduced uh, you know since the beginning of uh, 2013, basically from from January 2013 up until uh, the beginning of 2014. Um, and so uh, we, you know, we have decided this year to 
participate in the uh, in the national convention. There's actually going to be a booth, uh, 1251, uh, for those that are going to be in Nashville and can uh, and take a few minutes to come by and say hello. Um, and as a part of that, we have submitted Memory Stone. Um, from what I can see online, there's about 27 submissions. I know in uh, on the 23rd of July, they're going to announce five finalists. So that uh, that judging process is uh, is underway. Uh, I think this week, and um, so they're they're going to narrow that down to five finalists, and then over the next couple of months, um, the uh, the the finalists are posted online, and then there's an opportunity for folks to go and and uh, vote for the most innovative product of the year. So um, at that point, it's uh, a bit of a popularity contest, and and um, you know, and a question of how big is your mailing list. Um, and we're still very we're still very young that way. Um, so whether we really have an opportunity to uh, to be the the absolute finalist named in October, I don't know, but we'll do the. Uh, but if we're fortunate enough to be named a finalist, we'll work very hard to try to uh, to try to be named that you know, that final um, uh, innovation winner. So, um, just so that I'm clear, the initial process here is a internal judging that's done at. Uh, at the NFTA, at the NFTA okay. uh, headquarters, yeah, they they, um, you know, it's it's not and you know, it, it's not a transparent system. There are apparently a panel of funeral directors that are brought together to review the submissions and and decide what those five finalists are. Um, there's there's nothing published. That says who those people are, or um, you know, there is there is the the criteria that they're supposed to use to to make that decision. Now, all of that's published, but who the actual um, who the deciders are is kept secret, and I and I think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah they you know they don't want them to be influenced in one way or another. But uh, BT, what we'll do is we'll uh, make sure that we get. Uh, this interview uh, out and uh, shared to as many people as we can um, in the near future, and then uh, and then if you're in the um, you know if you make it to the final five, um, we'll let everyone know again where they can where they can vote to uh, um, okay, be help, great. help you um, get that because yeah I think this is great when you uh, first told me about it I you know I needed to understand a little bit more but I I, I really you've done a great job of explaining the process and. I think anyone, if you go to the um, go to the Memory Stone website, and we'll have a, a link in the uh, below the podcast here, and just look at the gallery of all the different uh, messages that various families have have left. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, um, before I let you go, BT, um, if uh, if a funeral home or a funeral director wanted to. Um, find out some more information and maybe offer these to their families that they're serving. Um, what do they do, or how do they get a hold of you, or whoever looks after that? Well, they can uh, they can call me. Um, uh, of course, I'm my cell phone is five zero eight 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 nine six one two four. So you can just dial me directly, um, or um, the uh, the person that I would recommend um, for um, 
you know, for order placement purposes and whatnot is actually Sally Belanger. And a lot of people know Sally. She's been very involved with uh, the main, you know, was the exec at the main Funeral Directors Association and was a former exec in the Maryland um, Funeral Directors Association. Well, she's now um, um, come on board and she's uh, helping me to get Memory Stone off the ground. Uh, so she can be reached at 207-841-6330. And she's all set up to, uh, to put orders together. And, and um, you know, basically we sell them by the dozen and, um, and can get them out um, often the same day as the order is placed. And we, we um, you know, we make them available on a two-day um yeah, a second day air kind of basis, and and we'll you know we'll get them right out to you. Excellent. Well, hey BT, this has been great, and glad to hear that your client families are um, getting a lot of value out of the um, out of this innovation yeah, I, that you've done. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you. I you know when we when they're presented consistently, what we're finding is that uh, something like eighty percent of the families we serve will say, yes, I want to do this. And, uh, and very often, once one person says yes, it becomes something that three or six or, or like I say, as many as 11 family members end up doing for themselves. It's, you know, it really touches uh, a remarkable number of lives in, in the face of you know, this, this very final ending that we, you know, that we call cremation. For sure. Well, BT, this is this has been great. So uh, I look forward to. Uh, I'll be uh, seeing you in Nashville for sure, and I'll pop by the booth and uh, um, take a look firsthand at uh, at some of the memory stones. Fantastic! Looking forward to it. Well, I'd like to thank BT Hathaway of Hathaway Family Funeral Home in Fall River, Massachusetts, for sharing this great concept about memory stone. Check back soon for more interviews with forward-thinking funeral professionals like BT. If you have any questions or comments, you can leave them on the FuneralGurus.com blog. And to make sure that you don't miss another episode, subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes. And while you're there, I'd appreciate it if you would leave a star rating and a comment about the thoughts of the program. On behalf of the FuneralGurus.com, this is Robin Heppel. This has been Funeral Gurus with your host, Robin Heppel. For more insights and strategies from other funeral professionals, visit FuneralGurus.com and join the newsletter. It's free.